Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. All right, y'all. Well, youth, thanks for joining us tonight. Y'all are awesome. Y'all give a yeah shout out to the youth. We got to call an AC guy because our youth building back there. We w- we went in there and it was a hundred degrees, and so we were like, shoot, we can't we can't kill you. You know, God will raise you from the dead, but we don't want to like purposely kill you. That wouldn't be good. So, uh, well, you're welcome. So you guys welcome in here. Uh, you're gonna kind of jump in the middle of something that we've been kind of going through. I say kind of because honestly we've had weeks where the last couple weeks I don't think we've done the book of Romans. We've just kind of been going led by the spirit. And so uh, that's okay though. It'll be good. A couple of announcements real quick. This Friday, y'all say this Friday, Friday. we have the youth hangout, which will be at mine and and Carissa's house. We'll have a bonfire and some hot dogs and s'mores and, and whatnot out there. So uh, it's going to be at seven o'clock. I believe that are we running a van route at all, like just from the church? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So make sure you tell your parents. So to eliminate having to drive to Timbuktu and then back and then Canada and then South America and all over the place, have your parents bring you to the church by about six forty-five, and then we'll be done about nine o'clock. So we'll be back at the church by about nine ten. So if they need to drop you off at the church, they need to pick you up from the church. If your parents can't do that, get with one of these older kids that drive, one of the other youth students, and they'll, they'll pick you up, no problem. So, and bring you to the church, and we'll take you out there in the van and bring you back. Awesome, guys. Well, praise the Lord. You know, I, I almost, I didn't know that this was going to happen, but it's funny because I actually had planned something completely different again than the Romans Bible study for tonight. Uh, but about two hours ago, the Lord brought me back to this. And, and I'll tell you why, because, you know, there was a, a point where Paul told Timothy, he said, teach, focus on the, a few, a few things. And he goes on to list a few things. And one of those things was focus on reading the scripture to your people. Uh, and so if you've been a part of what God's doing here, it's been amazing. We've been having some powerful, amazing things happen on Wednesdays and Sundays and the different services. The Holy Spirit just shows up. Uh, We've been hearing words from the Lord. We've been having lots of experience. But the Lord just also reminds me how important it is to have a well-balanced diet. You know, you you can't just live off of cotton candy and and, uh, all the time. It's okay to have some sometime. And you can't live off steak all the time either. You know that? If you just like ate nothing but steak and meat, like your cholesterol would go through the roof and it it wouldn't be good. So you got to have a a different, you know, a a variety of things to have a balanced diet. And so the youth, and if this is your first Wednesday, what we're going to be doing, what we have been doing is going verse by verse through the Bible, through the book of Romans. And I just want to tell you how important that is, because honestly, it doesn't take very long if you study the Bible and maybe this is just me, but when I like look at Facebook, when I look at what's going on in the world, I think one of the, the biggest problems that I see in the world right now is just 
ignorance in the body of Christ when it comes to the Word of God. Truly. And I don't say that rudely at all. And I'm not trying to sit here for a moment and tell you that I just have everything figured out and, you know, 100%. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying this, that a lot of the problems that we're facing right now, uh, and I mean, it stems into so many different things. It all comes from ignorance in the body of Christ. Christians aren't reading their word. Christians don't know the doctrines of the Bible. Uh, and so because of that, they're just being led astray and deceived by every little voice that comes up. You know, students, when you're in school, you need to know the word of God. Because I want to tell you, you'll come across a 12 year old theologian that heard something Uncle Bucky said one time that's completely contrary to what the Bible actually teaches. And if you don't know the Bible, you could be led astray by that. You could be deceived by that voice. And that's how the, uh, that's how the devil works. If you read in John chapter 10, you know, he talks about the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. We covered that last week. Yeah. Amen. So you need to know the word of God. So tonight we're going to be in Romans chapter two. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter two. Over the next 45 minutes or so, I'm going to try to get through Romans two and actually finish Romans chapter three. Amen. Y'all just pray with me here. Father. We thank you for your word. Lord, it is holy. We don't take it lightly. We ask that you give us ears to ear and eyes to see and revelation and knowledge and understanding tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, well, we're going to be picking up in verse 17 of Romans chapter two. Again, I know you're like, well, that's kind of awkward. I missed the first half of this, but it's okay. Um, it'll still be good anyways. A couple weeks ago, we, we read in verse 16 where it says this. I'll go ahead and read it. It says, and this is the message I proclaim that the day is coming when God through Christ Jesus will judge everyone's secret life. So I want to say this to you, you students, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because you aren't here. You know, Paul said, Paul wrote this and said, this is the message that I proclaim. The day is coming when God through Jesus Christ will judge. Say judge. judge. Y'all, I'm telling you, is the message of the love of God important? Yes. Is the message of, you know, it doesn't matter how far you've gone and the sin that you've committed, the Lord loves you and he'll forgive you. Yes, it's important. Is that true? Absolutely true. But can I also tell you another message that is equally true that Paul preached that maybe you as a Houston, you've never heard this. Well, if you go to this church, you've heard this. But in this generation, Paul said there is a day where God is going to judge every single person through Jesus Christ. Everyone's secret life will be judged. And so I just want to make that point. You know, you need to make sure that you're right with God. Because every single person that's in this room one day will stand and give an account to God. Did you receive Jesus Christ? That's going to be the first thing that you're judged on. Did you receive the Lord Jesus Christ? Can I tell you guys something? The Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So this may sound elementary, but you need to hear this right now. There is only one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus Christ. There's no other God. There's this stuff that you're maybe hearing right now in this generation, like, well, you know, they believe what they believe and I believe what I believe. And one day we'll all end up in the same place. Can I tell you that's an absolute lie? 
There is only one way to the Father and one way to heaven, and that's through putting your faith in Jesus Christ. So I'll just say it to you bluntly. If you do not put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive Christ and uh, the forgiveness of your sins through his blood, you will, when you die and leave this earth, you will spend eternity in hell. That's not a hateful message. And that's not a message that I'm trying to scare and beat people down with. But it is a true message that the Bible teaches. And it's actually so important to God that while we were sinners, right? While we were enemies of God and we didn't deserve it. In fact, we didn't deserve it so much. We were so far gone that God sent his one and only son. And while he was on this earth, he was rejected. He was stripped down naked. He was beaten. He was abused. They threw a robe over his head and punched him in the face and said, prophesy and tell us who punched you. They treated the king of kings. They treated God in the flesh this way. And then they, they put a crown of thorns on his head. They nailed him to a cross and he murdered him. And yet he still went through that knowing that he was going to suffer all of that. Why? So that we could actually have forgiveness of our sins. That's how, how much God loves you. Amen. I'll make this one statement about judgment and then I'll move on. Did you know that God did not create man to go to hell? People are always like, if God's so good, then why, why are people going to go to hell? God never created man to go to hell. You know who hell was created for? The devil. You know, the Bible talks about how there was a, there's an angel in heaven. His name was Lucifer that, that rose up against God, tried to exalt himself against God and was cast out with one, uh, one third of the angels. You know, they rejected God. They became enemies of God. And that was a destination that was reserved for them. But can I tell you something? Man chose to obey Satan. And so basically, I say all of this to say, God does not send, listen to me, God does not send anybody to hell. We choose to go. Amen. God does not just pick you and say, oh, there's little Timmy. You know what? I just don't like the way he looks. He really makes me mad. I just want to, you know, ooh, I don't like him. I want to send you to hell. God doesn't do that. He shows us all grace. He extends his hand to all of us, but we can choose to go to hell. Are y'all still with me? So let's read verse 17 through 27. Let's, let's pick up here. Um, let me kind of lay a foundation real quick. So in Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 2, Paul Starts out in Romans chapter 1, and, and he's talking about these Gentiles. Can you say Gentiles? Gentiles? Right? These were these Romans, these Greeks, these people that weren't Jewish people. And Paul is sitting there, and he's just like, it seems like he's just nailing these Gentiles about how they're so far gone, and they're pagans, and the sinful nature of the people. Uh, and so in chapter 2, he flips it over, and now he starts to talk about the Jews. And he's talking about how, you know, they thought they were so righteous and so holy. And, and you're going to see why is he doing this? Because he's actually building it up to make a point, which we're going to look at, which is this point. I'll give it to you ahead of time. All have fallen short of the standard. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And we are all in need of a savior. Yeah. Amen. So we're going to get to that point. Uh, but let's read verses 17 through 27. Ten verses. So. Paul's talking to these Jews and he says, you call yourself Jews. You who call yourself Jews are relying on God's law. Uh oh, did our screens go off? Do we have the Oh, he's working on it. You who call yourself Jews are relying on God's law and you boast about your special relationship with him. 
You know what he wants. You know what is right because you have been taught his law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for the people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge of the truth. Okay, so let me kind of give you some uh, standard here. God had given his people, the Israelites, this word, this law. And basically what they ran around doing was, was telling the rest of the world that, that we're special. You guys suck. God likes us. And you're never going to be as good, at us, as good as us because we have the law. We have this word and we have this special relationship with God. And so Paul's kind of addressing that. So verse 21. Well, then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it's wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? He says, you condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. Y'all, I just love Apostle Paul because he's calling out the hypocrisy. Guys, and, I, and this is just a side nugget, but God needs people like that in this hour. God needs people in this hour that will be prophets of the Lord, voices for the Lord. You know, because you basically have two types of people. You have a, a person that they're just they just go with it. Right. They don't challenge anything. They don't say anything. They're afraid to say anything. And, and, and I'm telling you, you could ask people, most Christians, why do you believe what you believe? And they just, you know what their answer is? I don't know. Hey, why are you so afraid of that, you know, speaking in tongue stuff? Well, I mean, I don't know. We were just told not to. We were just told it's bad. We were just... And so you have these people that are just told this law, just told this code of ethics, and they just accept it for what it is. But I loved Apostle Paul because he really didn't care how much he rocked the boat. He stood for the truth, and he was not afraid to call out hypocrisy. And I'm telling you, God's raising up more people like that in this hour. Y'all that don't just accept the institution, that don't just accept the way that things are, but will be a voice for the Lord, a voice of hope, a voice of truth. So, he says, No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you're no better off than the uncircumcised Gentile. And if the Gentiles who obey uh, God's law won't declare them, won't, I'm sorry, and if the Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be his own people? In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law, but don't obey it. So that could be really confusing, but let me just break a few points down. Paul is calling out their hypocrisy because what these Jews were doing was they were using religion to actually appease their flesh, and they were doing it in the name of the law. What do I mean by that? God had given these people this law. We'll talk about what that was in a minute. He gave his people this word and, and they completely missed it and used it and abused it. And they begin to take God's word and use it to suppress other people, use it to manipulate other people. 
And then what they would do when people came and tried to challenge, like, hey, that's not right what you're doing, they would go back and try to take a little verse out of context to justify what they were doing. I'll give you some examples of this. So let me repeat that. Paul is calling out their hypocrisy. Say here, hypocrisy. Because they were using religion. Say this, to accomplish their own purposes. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now that, that that's not only something that happened in the Bible. If you know anything about church history, uh, that's where the po- Protestant Reformation, and we'll probably talk about that this month, because October 31st, it, it, it's not just the devil's day. It's not just Halloween. Another significant event that took place on October 31st is what's called the Protestant Reformation, where a man named Martin Luther basically saw that the organized church was doing the same thing. They were using the word of God to manipulate people, right? So what, what was happening like in those days was, I'm not going to go into it too much, but basically like the priests of that time, and let me say this, nobody had a Bible. Nobody could read the Bible. They didn't have access to the things that me and you have access to. They didn't have the word of God like this. Uh, what they would have is a room just about like this, and they would have a Bible that was written in Latin chained to a podium like this. And the priest was the only one that spoke Latin. See, he'd stand up and start reading in some language that nobody understood, and, you know, uh, blah, 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 blah. He's just reading in Latin, and then everybody's sitting there quietly waiting for him to finish, and then he would say, okay, uh, the Bible says you need to give me $1,500 in order to rescue your grandma's soul from purgatory. What the heck? Where they're like, well, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, but you can't read the Word of God. You're just a normal person. I'm a priest, and that's what it says. I mean, they were using it to manipulate people. And so, Paul was calling this out. Look at Matthew 15, 3-9. I'll give you some examples of this in the Scripture. Matthew 15, 3 through 9. Jesus replied, Why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father and mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say that they don't need to honor their parents, and so you cancel the Word of God for the sake of your own tradition. Look at that line. You cancel the Word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. So let me just kind of tell you what I'm talking about. What they would do is the Bible commands them to honor their father and mother, right? Jesus has given this example. So what these Pharisees or these religious people would do is they would run around and like say their, their parents needed financial help. They needed them to be taken care of. Uh, what they would do is basically say like, hey, I can't do that because I've already vowed to give this money to the Lord. You know, the Bible says I'm supposed to give. I'm supposed to do these things. But in fact, it had nothing to do with giving the money to the Lord. It had everything to do with they were greedy and didn't want to help their parents and they were using the Word of God to manipulate the situation and appease their flesh. Does that make sense? 
Okay, look at Luke 8. I'll give you one more example of this. Matthew, Mark, Luke 8. Luke chapter 8, 1 through 11 says this. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour. Let's see here. Make sure I have the right verse. Let me look up this real quick. Okay, well, I was close. Not really. John chapter 7. <laughs> John chapter 7. I don't know where the heck I got Luke 8 at. John chapter 7. I knew when I turned there, I said, that doesn't look right. Go ahead and just flip to the next chapter, John chapter 8. Um, so this is the woman caught in adultery. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd and said, Teacher, they said to Jesus, This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. If you know the story, he ends up saying, Woman, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. All the Pharisees back away. But here's my example. What, what Paul was actually addressing in Romans chapter 2, the problem of why, they, okay, yes, you have this law. Yes, you have this covenant with God. But yet you're violating the very words that he gave you. And they were doing it in the name of religion. So like in this example, this woman who had been caught in adultery, they really didn't care about honoring the word of the Lord. Can I tell you the truth? They were murderers in their heart. They liked watching people die. They liked watching people be drugged out into the streets and stones be thrown at them and, you know, their heads bashed in and these horrible, morbid things. They liked watching that. And so what they would do is, is take these situations and try to pin a verse to it and justify it in the name of the law. But really, they were just using the word of God to satisfy their own evil desires. Does that make sense to everybody? So that's the context that Paul's talking about here. And we'll look at this in a moment, but they were, they missed the whole point in which the law was given. So, and Paul will make this case because, you know, these Jews... Let me kind of tell you what their train of thought was. And, and again, I'm trying to articulate this because I don't know where everybody's understanding is as far as this goes um, and how all of this works. But, you know, whenever Christ came and, the, and he died and he resurrected and now they're going around preaching the gospel, preaching the message of the kingdom, teaching people how to be saved. These Jews were saying, wait a second, I don't need that. What are you talking about this guy named Jesus? I don't need that. I'm a, I'm a son of Abraham, right? I come from God. I'm in covenant with God. And so they didn't see that they, that they 
that they needed a Messiah. They didn't see why they needed a Savior. And so Paul is actually showing them, yeah, you have this law, this covenant, but yet you're breaking it. And because you're breaking it, you deserve death. So I'm going to paint a picture for you of why you need a Messiah and who that Messiah is. This is what he's building up to. You know, and and here's the actual thing about it. You know, the Bible says this in John 5.39. It says, you search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the Scriptures point to me. So Jesus told the, the Pharisees this. So think about this, guys. Did you know the Pharisees and Sadducees in the Old Testament? They had the entire Old Testament memorized. You know, the average Jewish man had the first five chapters of the Bible memorized. Can you, think, can you imagine that? Can you imagine flipping over and, and literally being able to recite Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, being able to recite those word for word, chapter for chapter, line for line. The average man was able to do that. In that culture, they were trained. And the Pharisees actually had the entire Bible memorized. And so that's why when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these Pharisees, they're always trying to argue with Jesus about everything. Because they knew the Word, right? Didn't matter what situation they stepped into. They could throw a Bible verse out there. But Jesus said, guys, you miss it. You search the Scriptures because you think that they give you eternal life. But the Scriptures point to me. So what Paul is actually pointing out was like, you guys hold so tightly to this law and you think you're so good because you have this word, you have this law. But if you actually read the words that you're claiming that you possess, you would see that it's pointing to exactly what I'm telling you about right now. Y'all still with me? You know, and you got to watch for people like that, too, because, again, people would just use this word to manipulate Cities manipulate regions, manipulate people, manipulate situations. And so any time that you see somebody throwing the Bible but around, but they take Jesus out of it, that's religion. That's not Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Verse 28. Look what Paul said. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents. Or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew, he says, is one whose heart is right with God. A true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. So, this was revolutionary. You guys, you got to think about this message in this time, in this context. These Jews, they had this law of circumcision and and all these things that they had to do. They had this covenant with God. And and they, you know, their pride, like if you guys think that Americans are nationalists, does everybody know what a nationalist is? You just have this America pride, red, red, white, and blue, AK-47, you're eating bacon, you're America all day, you know, that type of thing. If you think that we have national pride, these Jewish people, I mean, literally, they thought we are the, we are the, 
pride and joy of the earth and everybody else that's not a Jew is a dog. That's how they thought. So imagine Paul all of a sudden stepping up and saying, hey guys, and it doesn't matter that you're a Jew or that you've been circumcised. That doesn't mean anything. What actually matters is have you been born again and had a change of heart that comes from the Holy Spirit. And that was so offensive to these people. That was so offensive to them. And so I want to give you a few points from that. You could see, uh, say this. Number one, a true child of God is one who has been born again. Galatians 3, 6 through 7. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who have put their faith in God. Amen. Number two, think about this, Jew, the word Jew, if you didn't know this, actually just means praise. Say praise. praise. So the word Jew, and Paul's talking about what a true Jew is, right? A true Jew has nothing to do with being born from the 12 tribes of Israel. He's basically saying a real true Jew is somebody who lives a true life of praise to God. And look at Romans 12, 1 through 2. It says this. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Look at that. This is truly the way to worship God. What's truly the way to worship God? Give your bodies to God. Let your life be a living and holy sacrifice. Guys, can I tell you that it's great when we sing songs and we jump around and we praise and we shout. And, and that's wonderful. That is a form of praising the Lord. That's a form of worship. But Paul said a true praise is letting your life be a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Amen. Y'all awake over here? Yeah. A true Truly worshiping God. And I, I want to tell you guys, because I think that we see it so flipped that we think somebody's ultra spiritual because they can come into a church and they raise their hand and they say hallelujah and they put on the show and they do all of that. But then when they leave the doors, they don't live a life dedicated to the Lord at all. They live for themselves. They live for the world. They live in sin. And I'm telling you, the Bible says it's great to jump around and shout and say hallelujah and amen. And that's wonderful. You should do those things. But to truly worship God is the life that you live when you leave the doors. What do you do then? That's the true form of worship. So. If you want to think about this. And I don't know if anybody in this room ever feels led like I feel like God would use me to like lead praise, to lead worship, uh, to sing, to lead people into his presence. Does anybody ever feel like maybe you'd be called to do that, play an instrument, to lead, to sing a couple of you? Well, let me tell you this. There's an anointing to do that. You know, you can actually tell the difference between a person that that is professional and they're extremely skilled. And they can get up there and play every note perfectly and sing every note perfectly. And you're like, okay, that was, that was okay. Uh, but the anointing has nothing to do with skill. An anointed person is they may not be the most skilled, uh, 
but they get up there and, and God moves behind what they do. And so I'm actually giving you a key. If you feel led to, to lead worship and you want God to open that door for you, you don't need to practice so much. Yes, practice your singing and practice your instrument and all that's great. But if you really want to tap into the anointing of worship, live a holy life. A life that's a living sacrifice unto the Lord. And when you do that when nobody's watching, that will flow from everything that you do in a moment like this. Because can I honestly tell you guys, we don't need any more people that just have a platform and a voice and a stage and a, you know, the, a worship platform or whatever that, that leaves in, in, in their life, their rock with God is nothing more than just the song that they sang on the stage. Are y'all still with me? So, Paul's kind of laying that down. You're not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents. Y'all, and again, I'm telling you, if you understood how offensive this was to the people he was saying this to, you would like have this whole new respect for Paul, right? You're like, he would probably not be invited to most churches because of like, that's not really loving Paul, but he's like, but it's the truth. And this system is dead and it's got to go and it's 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 hypocritical it's not right no a true jew is one whose heart say my heart heart. your heart has to be right with god guys can i even tell you this is a key to salvation salvation is not just praying a prayer your heart has to be right with god you can't just you know, if somebody asked you, are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. Let me ask this question. How many in this room would say I'm saved? Right? Most of your hands would go up. If not, man, let's do that. Before this is over, let me pray with you. But think about that. If you ask the average person, are you saved? They would say, yeah, I'm saved. Well, how do you know? Well, I mean, I was baptized once when I was like 11. Uh, so yeah, I'm saved. You're like, yeah, that's cool, you know, but you're 45. So what's happened from 11 to 45? Well, I, I mean, just live my life. And that's my point. It's, it's, not, it's not magical words that you say. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, say my heart, my heart. and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Yeah. So your heart has to be right with God. You cannot just know God as some figure that some crazy dude stands at a pulpit shouting about. You have to know God in your heart. And if you don't know God in your heart, you have to really get serious about this because I mentioned this. The day is coming where we will stand and give judgment to the Lord. And can I tell you, the Bible teaches not only that Jesus came once, but He's coming back again. In fact, when when you read about the prophetic things that needed to line up where he said, you don't know the day or the hour, but you'll be able to tell the season when you see these things taking place. We're seeing those things take place left and right. We're seeing all of these prophetic dominoes fall right into place. The hour of Christ's return is very soon. And you need to make sure of this. Do you know him in your heart? Kids, I want you to hear me. Listen to me right now. You cannot get to heaven based off of your mom's faith. You can't get to heaven based off your dad's faith. You cannot get to heaven based off of your friend's faith, your youth pastor's faith, your your sister's relationship with God. 
You have to know God in your heart. And I'm going to tell you guys something. I believe we're so close. I truly believe, and I'm not trying to sit here and, and claim this as doctor or anything, but I truly believe that, that we will see it in our lifetime. I'm not much older than some of you. I'm 26 years old. I believe that I'll see it in my lifetime. I believe that I will see Jesus Christ. I will see this, this fulfilled in my lifetime. And I think that there's so many people, they're so caught up in the world, the things of this world, and our ambitions, and our goals, and the things that we chase after, that whenever they actually see Him come down from heaven, and the dead are raised, and we, are met, we go and meet Christ in the air, they're gonna, their stomach's going to drop to the floor because they're going to realize, like, oh my gosh, I just wasted so much time with things that don't even matter. Can I tell you the most important decision that you'll ever make? Are you right with God? If you're not right with God, you need to get right with God. I had a youth student tell me one time a couple years ago, he actually said, John, I, I hear what you're saying. I believe what you're saying. I know what you're saying is true. But he said, I'm not done living life. I'm not going to receive what you're saying because I'm not done. He said, there's still some parties I want to go to. There's still some, some sin. You know, basically, there's still some sin I want to play with. And I think I figured that I'll live my life. And when I get about your age, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll get saved and I'll settle down. Guys, here's the reality. Let me say two things about that. Number one, you're not promised to live to be my age. I want to say this, especially if you're not walking in covenant with God, you're not promised to live to be my age. Now, when you get in covenant with God, we could, that's a different story. We can talk about that. Amen. But number two, God is so extremely kind and merciful. But do you think, how, how do you think God would take that? I mean, guys, I'm telling you, we think that God is like an American pastor, and He is not. Like a 2021 American pastor, He's totally not. To know the truth, to have heard the truth, but to basically reject it purposely and knowingly, and saying, well, I'll come back to that one day when I'm done doing me. Y'all, I'm telling you, that is, a, that is a scary thing to play with. You know, and this is something that's not really taught. Uh, and I'm not trying to take away from the love of God, the kindness of God, the mercy of God. And, you know, we sing songs, He'll just chase you down. No mountain you can't climb up, that He won't just come running after you. And, you know, things like that. Uh, but can I also tell you that Jesus said, do not. And I'm not like saying that that side of God doesn't exist, but I do want to just share a reality with you of another side of God where he said, don't fear man who can only kill your body. Fear God who can destroy both your body and soul in eternal hell. Fear God. Amen. I was talking to a brother on the phone before I came to service and he was telling about some some drama going on, some issues going on with another pastor from a, a, like another state, which doesn't matter, but I was listening to him and, and I literally was like, Lord, I mean, some of the stuff he was saying, I was like, Lord, I mean, constantly, Lord, I want you to please, like, check my heart, please. Because Lord, I never want to like, I don't want to cross you. I know you're my father. I know you love me. I know you're for me. I know you're blessing, all that stuff. But here's the reality, Lord. I don't want to cross you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I, I, like, I don't want to figure out 
in some part of my life that I'm working against you. You know, and it's from a healthy place of like, Lord, I genuinely fear you. I do. I fear the Lord. Uh, And the Bible teaches that in the New Testament. So, yeah, he said, a, a true Jew is one whose heart's right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. He said, rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God and not from people. Guys, can I also just drop another truth bomb? That's a, a person with a changed heart will seek praise from God and not from people. So if a person is not seeking praise from God, but seeking praise from men, you have to ask yourself the question, do they really have a changed heart that comes from the Holy Spirit? And if you don't have a changed heart that comes from the Holy Spirit, you are not ready to meet Jesus Christ and stand judgment before him. I'll show you. Look at this. uh, John 3, 1 through 19. Flip over there real quick. John chapter 3, 1 through 9. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. It says, after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Wow. So not only does does Jesus not say, like, because we think about salvation. And I know sometimes my brain works faster than my mouth, so I'm trying to catch up to it. But we think about salvation. And again, it's just this magical prayer. Well, as long as I said those words, I'm safe, right? Can I ask you this question? You know, if a Chinese person came over to me, came up to me and said, okay, I'm going to teach you something in Chinese. And then they said something in Chinese and they said, okay, repeat after me. I repeated them. And then I'm sitting there, right? I don't know Chinese. I don't know what I just said. And then they tell me, oh, yeah, you just confessed your allegiance to Buddha. You know, let me ask you, like, seriously. Yeah, I would reject that. But did I did I just like lose my salvation? No, because I I didn't even know what I was saying. Right. So it's the same thing. Like if I were to go over into China and they don't speak English and I were to say, "Okay, repeat after me. Jesus Christ is the Lord. And they said it. Jesus Christ is the Lord. They kind of mumbled it in in their version of English, you know, but they had no idea what they were saying. Could I walk away from that person and say, oh, they're saved. They're going to heaven. They said the magic words. No. Why? You have to believe in your heart. And from the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks, the Bible says. So you actually have to have a revelation and a, and, a, and a commitment to Jesus Christ in your heart. And from that commitment from your heart, it should overflow where you confess it with your mouth. And he actually takes it a step further and says, I tell you, unless you're born again, say born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man 
Go back into his mother's womb and be born again. Thank you, Jesus, for not... Well, let me tell you, Nicodemus, how a man crawls back into his womb. No. Jesus said, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Wow. What does that mean? That means in order to see the kingdom of heaven, you have to receive the Holy Spirit and He has to birth something inside of you. You know, isn't it crazy that Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. In the same way that you know a tree by its fruit, you'll know people by their actions. You know, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, On that day, many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we do these things in your name? And they'll say, Depart from me, you evildoers, for I never knew you. And then the NLT says, Only those who do the will of my Father will enter the kingdom of heaven. So what am I trying to say? Jesus said, Many people that have called Him Lord will stand before Him and be rejected on that day. Why? Maybe because maybe some of it was because they said these little magic words, but the Spirit of God never came in them and produced spiritual life on the inside of them. That's why any form of Christianity that takes the Holy Spirit out of it, can I tell you, it is straight from hell. It's straight from the devil. Any form of Christianity, any denomination. And I'm not specifying, you know, and I'll also say this, just because a church is a part of a denomination, not every church believes the same thing. There are certain denominational churches that they are, they believe in the Spirit, and they, and they believe that. And so I'm not just demonizing it, but let me just hear me. Anything that calls itself Christianity, but takes the Holy Spirit out of it, is straight from hell. He says the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Say spiritual life. life. Guys, when you receive Christ, you should not just live a carnal life. A flesh life. One sign that you've received the Holy Ghost is you will actually begin to live what the Bible calls as a spiritual life. As many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Say led by the Spirit. Hopefully this is making sense. Don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes or where it goes. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So that's what like people are like. Okay, John, I want you to sit down with me and I want you to just explain every single thing that happens. How do I have the Holy Ghost? How do I know? How do I... Listen, I can give you some things from the Bible, but at the end of the day, Jesus said, you know, you can't, you can't see it. You'll just be able to see the effects of it. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind, right? I can't physically see wind, but I can see the trees move. I can't physically see wind, but I can see the leaves floating through the air or trash blowing around or dirt being stirred up. It's the same way. How do I know somebody has the Holy Ghost? You should see the effects of it in their life. They live a spiritual life. 
And I'm telling y'all, guys, this is a problem because Christians today, all we are is carnal. What I mean by carnal is the Bible says, you know, we have this nature, this flesh nature that, that, that we were born into that's opposing to God. And we'll get to that in the next few weeks. Probably not you guys. You'll be back in the youth room. But the adults, we'll get to that. We have this flesh nature that is in opposition of God. It says it opposes His Word. It doesn't do what the Spirit wants to do. It resists God. It's nature that was birthed from obeying the devil. When Adam and Eve obeyed the devil in the garden, man became, like man lost, their, 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 their spiritual nature, so to speak. Uh, I should say their heaven, like their, their godly spiritual nature. And we became these just flesh beings. Um, and so that is a problem to, to claim Christianity, especially New Testament Christianity, but to, to just live a life in the flesh. I'm telling you guys, don't deceive yourself. Don't be fooled. And if I was being fooled, I would want someone to tell me, right? I wouldn't want somebody to dance around it because they don't want to say it. I would want somebody to tell me, like, hey, don't be deceived. If you get the Holy Spirit, something should happen. Let me show you another example of this. Ezekiel 36, 25-27. So you don't have to try to find it. We'll put it on the screen for you. Ezekiel 36, 25-27. This was a, pro- a prophecy spoken through Ezekiel of the work that the Lord was going to do in, in our covenant that we're in now. He says, I'll sprinkle you clean. I'm sorry, I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. I will give you a new heart. Say a new heart. New heart. You know, and I'm going to tell you guys, I got kicked out uh, whenever I first started in the ministry. They had me teaching the 12-step drug recovery programs. And I want to tell you all, I started teaching a class and the Lord was moving. It started filling up and it was great. But they kicked me out because they were like, no, you need to teach these 12 steps. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do all these things. And I said, why? Like, why? Why do I need to teach all that? Why don't I just teach being born of the Holy Ghost? Get filled with the Holy Ghost. What happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit? He will put a new heart and a new spirit in you. What happens when God actually puts a new heart on the inside of you? From your innermost being will flow the issues of life. I don't have to try so hard to not be a jerkwad and all these things all the time if I would get a new heart that comes from the Holy Ghost. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your, your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and carefully be careful to obey my regulations. So again, salvation's not just a prayer. It's being born again. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Have you been born again? No? If, if you haven't, that's okay. Have you been born again? Guys, can I ask you a real question? You may nod your head yes. If I went to school and nobody knew who I was and I asked your friends, hey, has Calvin been born again? Hey, you know, has uh, Billy been born again? 
Well, you know what? That, that's my point. What would people say? Are you kidding me? That dude's dropping F-bombs at me every other day. That dude told me your mama three times yesterday, you know? Or do you, or do you live? That's what I'm saying. Or is there a new heart that's been placed on the inside of you that people can recognize and see? Like this person doesn't just live by their flesh. This person has the Spirit of God. Amen. I have a few more minutes, probably about 10 more minutes, so I'm going to go ahead and get into chapter 3. And that's okay, we can do that, because there's a little nugget for you guys, if you didn't know this, when, when the Bible was written, it wasn't written in chapters like this. Did you know that? It was one big, long letter. So, it's not like, oh, we got to stop, you know, because, like, literally, as we continue to read, he'll just continue to flow in the same kind of context of things. This was one letter that Paul wrote. Y'all think about, oh man, this is long. You know, when Paul wrote this letter, the pastor stood up and read from chapter what what is our chapter one all the way, let's see, 16. Yeah, 16 chapters in our Bible. Somebody would just stand up there and, and read the whole thing to the whole church. That was your service. Amen. This is from Paul. So let's read verses 1 and 2. So he's talking about, right, a true Jew isn't one that's just been circumcised or has the law. No, a true, true, a, a true, Jew, a true Jew is somebody who's been born of the Spirit of God. So then he says, what's their advantage of being a Jew? Then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value in the ceremony of circumcision? Look at this. Yes. There are great benefits. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. Say the revelation of God. Let me ask you a question. What's Paul talking about? The Jews had been entrusted with the whole revelation of God. What's he talking about? Yeah, kind of. Anybody? The Jews had the word of God. Exactly, the oracles. Tanner said the oracles of God uh, is what another translation will say. So Paul is saying, is there any, because I guess somebody could hear what he was saying and like, well, then does it matter? Does it even mean anything to be a Jewish person? That's what they were kind of thinking. He said, yes, obviously it does mean something because the Jews, the Israelites, the, the, the covenant people of God, you guys were given the whole revelation of God. So think about that. What he was saying was, you know, when we, when we read Genesis all the way to Malachi, our Old Testament, this was a covenant that God only had with the Israelites. Nobody else was brought into it. Nobody else was a part of it. So it's not like, you know, this message. Think about this. It's not like this covenant They could have got on a boat in the Old Testament and like went across the sea over to North America and came and talked about their Jewish God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to these Native Americans. It was a covenant that was only that only pertained to the Israelites, to the children of Israel. And and Paul was saying, guys, you don't understand. You had the word of God when no one else had the word of God. And so I actually want to show you why that's important. 
uh, I'll give you two reasons. Why was that so significant that like you guys had the word when no one else in the world had the word? Well, number one, this is just something I thought of, but the Bible, according to the word of God, the Bible is the key to prosperity on the earth. Let me explain that to you. Um, Flip over to Psalms chapter one real quick. Psalms 1, this is like my favorite, one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible, so much so that I named our daughter after this. Uh, It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. Say the the law of the Lord. And they meditate on it day and night. Look at this. So a person that delights in the law of the Lord, the oracles of God that Paul was talking about, a person that meditates on that day and night, he says, will be like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season, say each season, season. and their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do. Say prosper. prosper. Let me show you another example in Joshua chapter 1. See, I'm just giving you two verses, but, uh, you know, the Bible teaches this in so many places. Joshua chapter one. Look at verse six. God told Joshua, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to give their ancestors and would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Look at this. Be careful to obey. Say obey. Obey. All the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from these instructions, turning either to the right or the left. Then, say then. If you obey these instructions and do not deviate from them, then you will be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Say continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in everything that you do. So guys, can I just give it to you in a simple way? God created the heavens and the earth. So God created life. We think about we just live life. God created life. So can I tell you something? He knows how it works. That's why it's so stupid. The Bible says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but not one word Jesus said that I've spoken will pass away. Why is that? It's so stupid that this generation begins to date this Bible and say, you know, well, yeah, that was, that's old. That was written thousands of years ago. This is 2021 now. Things have changed. No, listen to me. God created the world that we live in. He created 
man and woman. He created the family. He created everything. He knows how it works. Okay, where does God lay out the pattern for life for us? In His Word. Right? So, the Word of God is the keys to life on this earth. And that's all God was simply telling His people. As if, listen, God's saying, if you'll listen to, to what I say, and not listen to your neighbor, or listen to this culture, or listen to what all these other voices are saying, if you'll actually listen to what my Word says... I have prescribed to you the way of life that works. And when you do what I say, it'll actually cause you to prosper on your, during your life on this earth. Amen. Amen. So guys, can I actually tell you that the best thing, uh, you know, learn your little math and your science and your history, but you need to be taking time to know the Word of God. Students, learn the Word of God because I'm going to tell you, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this Word never changes. And in Numbers 23, it says God's not a man that He should lie or a man that He should change His mind. So can I tell you, if God told a person a few thousand years ago that if you take My Word and meditate on it and don't deviate from it, you will prosper and succeed in everything that you do, that still holds true for you today. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So the key to your life is not just going to the right college, right? It's not just getting the right girlfriend or boyfriend. It's not just trying to do all these other things that, you know, that's what, that's what, and I want to tell you, if there's any parents that disagree with me, I'm sorry, but I disagree with you. Because what, what, what we try to tell our kids nowadays is if you just go to college, then you'll have wealth. It's not true. If you just go and get you a four-year degree or six-year degree or eight-year degree, you'll automatically have success and wealth. That is absolutely untrue. I'm not telling you not to go to college. I'm just telling you that statement, blanket statement, is not true. It's really not true. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and we act so wise. And we, we're trying to tell this generation, if you just do this and you just do that and you just, you'll just be successful and prosper. Guys, can I tell you, if you'll live your life according to what the Word of God says, you will succeed and prosper in everything that you do. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you can actually make the decision now as children. Sorry, adults, too, because I know I'm talking to the kids a lot tonight. But you can make that decision now as kids saying, Lord, I, you know, I'm going to dedicate my life to what this Bible says. You say, Lord, make the decision tonight in your own heart. Lord, I'm going to follow what you said in this word, even if I'm the only one. I don't care if everyone else turns away and everyone else wants to go down a different path, if I am the last one standing here, I will be the last one standing here. Lord, I dedicate my life to Your Word. Can we humble ourselves? Can we tell God this? Can you just say, Lord, You know best. Lord, I believe You're smarter than me. Amen. Hallelujah. So let me wrap this up. So Paul was saying, is there any benefit for you Jews? Yes, obviously you had the oracles of God. You had the keys to life. 
And then also they had the true revelation of who God was when no one else did. So for some of you that weren't here, in Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2, Paul teaches that every single human being has an intuitive knowledge of who God is. That's why anybody that claims to be an atheist, they're liars. I want to tell you, most atheists, they'll claim, they're, oh, they're, I believe in science, there's no God. And then when a gun's held to their head, they're crying out for God. Help me, Lord. Brother Sam, you've testified to that too. Some of the hardest men, when you get in a situation, they're crying out for God. Help me. Because here's the thing. The Bible says everyone has an intuitive knowledge that there is a God of who God is. So what is intuitive knowledge? Think about this. Did you know that sea turtles lay their eggs on the beach, not in the water, and then the mothers go back out into the ocean? And those sea turtles hatch, and all on their own, they crawl from the beach into the water. How do they do, how do, they do that? Did somebody come up to the sea turtle and speak sea turtle language to them and tell them you need to crawl into the ocean? No. They were internally hardwired to know that that's what they're supposed to do. You see that all throughout nature. And the Bible says every single human being, whether they want to believe it or they want to deny it for some stupid reason, everybody knows that there's a God. Okay? And so what Paul was saying, the Jews had the advantage, is like, that's why, you know, you can look and watch National Geographic and they dig up an old city that's 3,000 years old in South America. What do you see? Temples. They worship gods. They made sacrifices. Why? Because they knew there was a God. They just didn't know who that God was. The Jews had the revelation of who that God actually was. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The creators of the heaven, the creator of the heaven and the earth. So I want, to, I want to leave you with this tonight. You're going to see as you read the Bible. You know, God showed extreme mercy. We'll see this in the book of Romans more. But He showed extreme mercy to the Gentiles. Because yes, they were pagans and they were heathens. But you know what? God showed mercy to them. Why? Because they didn't have the Word. They didn't know, right? They didn't know any better. They didn't grow up going to school learning about David and Goliath and uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and like these Jewish boys did, okay? So God had mercy for them. But can I tell you, God held His people extremely accountable. Yeah. Why? Because they did have the Word. Yeah. And yet what happened? They chose to reject the Word. And they chose to pursue after their flesh and reject and harden their hearts towards the Lord. Can I, guys, can I tell you the truth? In this time... We live closer to the privileges that the Jews had, not the unsaved Gentiles. You know why? Because we have had open access to the Word of God. Yet free open access where you know, nobody's getting arrested in this room for owning one of these Bibles. You know, even most, most Americans, if you ask them about, have you ever heard the story of David and Goliath? Most people would say, yeah, I've heard of that. You ever heard about Adam and Eve? Yeah, I've heard about Adam and Eve. You ever hear about those things? You know, the average person, if you took a poll, would say yes. Right? So we have the amazing blessing and the amazing responsibility because we have been given the Word and the revelation of God. And here's the ultimate reality. Guys, we're going to be held accountable for it. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm, I'm serious and I say this and I'm not telling you be religious and be legalistic and don't have fun, don't enjoy anything in your life. That's not what I'm saying at all. But can I honestly tell you, in the United States of America, if we stand before God and we just completely missed it, and then we stand before the Lord and say, Lord, well, I just didn't know. I don't think that that's going to be an act, like a good enough answer. Yeah. What do you mean didn't know? Well, I was, you know, I played Xbox. I just watched TV. I just, I just did other things. The Lord's like, didn't I give you my word? Didn't I put you in situations where people, where I reached out to you so many times in your life and called your name and tried to bring you unto myself, but you, you chose to not receive me and to reject me? I'm going to tell you guys, I just genuinely think that some of the excuses that we would have for not knowing just aren't going to be good enough when we stand before God. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 Well... Let me pray over you and I'll release you tonight. Father, we love you. We give you praise, honor, and glory. Let me ask this question. Is there anyone in the room tonight that you would say, maybe I've prayed the prayer, but I have not asked the Holy Spirit to come into my life to give me a new heart. I need to be born again. I know I've prayed the prayer, but I've never been born again of God's Spirit. I want you to just raise your hand right now. If that's you, you say, I need to make sure that I'm right with God. Is there anybody in the room that would say, I, I'm not right with one? Anybody else? All right, every head bowed. That's okay. I'm going to pray for you right where you're at. Thank you for raising your hand, sweetheart. You know, the Bible says... It's really not hard. You don't have to dance around and do 16 backflips to receive the Holy Spirit. The Bible says if your fathers on earth know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Say ask. ask. So how do I receive this Holy Spirit? I just have to ask the Lord for it. I just have to humble myself and say, Lord, I need your spirit. I need to be born again. I know that I'm not. I live a fleshly carnal life and I need to be born again from the inside out. So I want you to just say this. If you need that, I want you to just say this right now. Say, Father, give me the Holy Spirit. I repent. I receive the Holy Spirit. Give me a new heart. Give me a new spirit. Thank you, Father. I receive it tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You guys give the Lord just a, a clap. We had a couple people pray that. Hallelujah. Well, I love you guys so much. Thanks for going through the Word of God with me. You're dismissed. Youth, don't forget about the youth hangout this Friday night. God bless you guys. Have a great night. We'll see you Sunday. Youth, we'll see you Friday. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20.
Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.